Yirmiyo chapter 19 is basically the flip side of Yirmiyo chapter 18. In chapter 18, where Yirmiyo was instructed to go to the house of the potter, Beit HaYotzer, and there the message was that the potter can fashion something new. And so can God fashion something new, depending on where the people are at. And that even though they may have done wrong, but if they relent of that, if they change their minds, then God can act differently. God can create something new. And of course, the flip side is also true if they are able to, if they do good, and then they decide to go in a different direction, God can also, as it were, change God's mind. That's what it says in the beginning of chapter 18. That's the story of the Chomer B'yad HaYotzer. Now, in Yom Kippur Eve, actually, there's a bit of a different focus. Because in Yom Kippur Eve, Ki Hinei there, the focus is something else in that particular poem on Yom Kippur. And actually, I believe it captures the mood of Yom Kippur Eve. Because the tagline for that poem, which is the responsive reading of Yom Kippur Eve, known as the Pismon, it's the central poem of Yom Kippur Eve, and the tagline is, We are in your hands. God, look towards the Brit, look towards the covenant that we have. And not to the inclination, which in that context means the evil inclination. So there it's emphasizing something very different. It's kachomer biyada yotzer, but we ask God, altefen layetzer, don't look at our inclinations, at our thoughts, but rather you do for us, please, act towards us in a favorable way. We place ourselves in your hands. That's the focus on Yom Kippur Eve. Now, of course, this idea that we are in God's hands, which is a very powerful idea, and in a certain way, a very liberating idea. We're in your hands. You're the one in control. You're the one in charge. Of course, that bespeaks a decision to put ourselves in God's hands. So to that degree, it's a function of what we do. But there is still a different focus. Because the focus over here is that God responds. That's the focus of 18. God responds to where the people are. And that God's response, whether in tosh v'lintotz, to uproot, as we find in chapter 1, or livnot v'lintoa, that response is simply a function of where we are. And actually, it's where we are now. In fact, that prophecy of chapter 18, that it's a function of where we are now, is very reminiscent of something we will encounter in the book of Yechezkel, in a very famous chapter of Yechezkel, where God says to Yechezkel, people are wondering about my ways. Are the ways of God's right? And God's response is, my ways are right. Your ways are not right, but my way is right. My way is to judge people where they are now. If someone was wicked for a long time, but now makes that choice to live the righteous life, I treat that person as a righteous person. I treat them the way they are now. That is my way. Conversely, of course, 
if someone was doing the right thing and makes a choice now to live a wicked life, then I'm going to treat that person as a wicked person. Because that's the way they are now. The fact that in the past they were other is not relevant, says Yechezka, in a very famous prophecy. He argues against the idea, which is a verse in the Torah, that the children are punished for the sins of their parents. And Yechezka argues against that. Hopefully, if someday we study Yechezka, we'll have an opportunity to think about that some more. But the prophecy of Yermiel, chapter 18, is very reminiscent of the prophecy of Yechezkel. That's chapter 18, but that chapter is chapter 19. And chapter 19, which is a flip side of chapter 18, in chapter 19, Ko Amar Hashem, Haloch v'konito bakbuk yotzer cheres, umizikne God says to Yermiel, Go and buy a jug of potter's ware. Take some of the elders of the people and the priests. Go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom at the entrance of Charsit and proclaim the words which I will speak to you. So he's told over here to go and to purchase a jug. The Hebrew word for jug is a bakbuk. It's funny, the word bakbuk in modern Hebrew it refers to a bottle. A child's bottle could be a bakbuk. It's a very or just a, go go to the store and get me a, a jug of milk, container of milk, a bakbuk. has a very innocent feel to it. But in Yermio, chapter 19, the bakbuk has a much more ominous sense to it. And the word bakbuk, which is a very interesting word, is probably at the core meaning of it. Bakbuk, I believe, means something that you empty out. One might say something which is depleted, emptied out. And emptying something out carries with it a much more ominous side, a side of ruin. So in chapter, chapter 18, go down to Beit HaYotzer, and there it's all about the ability to change and God responding appropriately if one changes. If one changes in a positive way, the shove, then there's hope. And God responds accordingly. Over here, though, it's not going down to the potter who fashions things with clay, but rather a jug of potter's ware. And Yermio is instructed to take this jug and to go to a public space and to proclaim to the people. And in verse number three, Vyomarata, Shibudvar Hashem, he directs himself to the kings of Judah once again and those that dwell in Jerusalem. Thus says God, I'm going to say something now. Whoever hears it, his ears will tingle. That expression, whoever hears it, it is, his ears will tingle, appears twice in the Bible. The first time, it appears in the context of the destruction of Shiloh, the first great temple. And the second time it appears in the end of the Book of Kings in the prophecy about the destruction of the Temple in Jerusalem. So here too, Yirmiyo uses the same language. I'm going to say something which is so shocking. And what's shocking, and maybe the reader by this point isn't so shocked, we've heard this several times, 
because you have abandoned me and you have forsaken me and you brought sacrifices to other gods, kings of Judah, people. And you filled this place with innocent blood. So there's sins of idolatry and also one person against the other. And you built altars. You burned your children. You brought sacrifices to Baal. Something that never crossed my mind, says God. I never commanded such thing. Never even crossed my mind. Therefore, Rachel, this place will not be known as the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. Literally to empty out what could translate as frustrate the plans of Judah, the plans of Jerusalem, and I will cause them to fall by sword with they or they have. So this is the flip side of the prophecy. The first prophecy is about the ability to change. The clay can be fashioned in a different way. But over here we're dealing with a finished product. Over here it's the bakbuk. And if it's a finished product, if people think they can't change, then there actually is very little hope. And this bakbuk, Yerimbiyo is instructed in verse number 10, Vishavataha Bakbuk, you shall break, smash the jug. Together with the four of the people that, that you have taken with you. And you shall say to them, Thus will God destroy or break this people and the city. The same way one smashes a potter's vessel, which can't be mended. If it can't be mended, then you simply discard it, you break it. And that's what's going to happen in this city. And Yerbiyo acts out the prophecy. Prophets often act out their prophecy. And Yerbiyo leaves from the place where he's at, the end of this chapter, He goes then, to the courtyard of God's house, which is the temple, and he says the same thing to all the people. Thus says God, He has the same prophecy, which he's already stated, but this time he speaks publicly and publicly in at the gate of the temple. Now, in the gate of the temple, Instead, he fulfilled a Pashchur ben Imer HaKohen, Pashchur, the son of Imer, the chief officer of the house of God. He hears Jeremiah's prophecy. And that's the beginning of chapter 20, which is the next chapter.